I think a co-founder is a very important uh, part of the deal. In fact, I know a lot of VCs or accelerators which only will take you in if you have a co-founder. And I see the reason. I see a lot of these success stories. Of course, people like Parnata and many others have gone alone and done really well. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you have co-founders, I think it splits your worries, it splits your work. And if you're deeply complementary, it helps you accelerate the pace of scale because you're divided in your work and you're equally accountable and your mission and vision aligned. Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you're new to our channel, please consider subscribing to it and hit the bell icon so that you never miss an update. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome Anshu Bhartia. Anshu, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, Anshu is the Chief Executive Officer of Unlimited uh, India, an incubator, uh, which is a canvas for early stage social entrepreneurs. Uh, she was earlier with the Revitalizing Rainfed Agriculture Network, Friends of WWB India and American Express. So Anshu, let's talk about Unlimited India. Uh, tell me about this venture and what you do. I think um, it's the work Unlimited does is inspirational. The people you meet is inspirational. So the whole theory of change for Unlimited India is we believe in the power of individuals who want to create social change. Okay. And if we give some inputs at an early stage, the leverage that it can create could be multifold. Mm -hmm. And with that theory, we work with people, passionate individuals who will either set up a social enterprise or an NGO. We are agnostic okay. as far as your intent is deeply to solve a problem that you identify with. Mm -hmm. And we early, usually work in the earlier zero to five years because that's when you need the foundational skills. Mm -hmm. And over 13 years, we started in India in 2007. We worked with 270 such dynamic individuals, multiple years at a time mm -hmm. with many of them mm -hmm. who've all gone on to be, I mean, to, to be doing really well. So 75% of them continue doing what they started. 25% mm -hmm. have become unicorns in their own areas in the small way that you know NGOs or social enterprises can work but they're known for what they do wow. and um, that's just since I joined I think it's just been an incredibly learning journey for me I've just met the most most amazing people people who are selfless truly selfless who've mm -hmm. given up corporate jobs who sit in remote villages teaching stem technology or could be in corporate in, uh, in urban India but going to slums and teaching poetry or just working with uh, disabilities. I mean, the spectrum is really, really wide. Wow. And and uh, how do you define social causes? So uh, I think that's the raging debate all over the world. So I might not be insightfully new in it. Uh -huh. For us, what we look is at as, is the intent. Okay. What Why are you doing what are you doing? Is right. it a market opportunity, a gap in the market, or you want to solve a problem? Mm -hmm. When you set up an NGO by inherent design, it's a not-for-profit, right? It's social because you're not going to really ever make millions of money out of it. Right. But if you're setting up a social enterprise, it's again the whole, in our entire from our selection process to support, the question stays, why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And if your intent is to take care of a problem. So for example, I want to make the world organic, right? It is a market opportunity, but my reason for starting is organic. So I'll go back to the root cause, find the problem, and I'll find a solution which works in the remotest areas and not just the more commercially viable areas. For us, that would be social. Okay. And uh, 
you know, what do you look for before you select someone to be a part of your incubator? Um, very simply said, we look for four eyes. What is the idea? Is it innovative? And innovation does not mean a scientific innovation. Is it a process innovation? Is it a product innovation? Is it that you're taking a reasonably well-known product, but to a geography which is deeply underserved mm -hmm. and creating a value-added product which is contextualized for that, right? To us, that is also an idea which works for us. Because, you know, if you look at India, we are very low on our SDGs across environment, poverty, vulnerability. We have lots of opportunities to solve problems. Mm -hmm. So for us, we look at the idea. We look at the individual. What is, how entrepreneurial are they? You know, even when you're an NGO, you could be, doing this out of compassion and hence you might just be a social worker or do you have the entrepreneurial abilities to take it forward? We look at the impact it will create. And uh, one thing we look interestingly is are you incubatable? That is, are you open and receptive to feedback? Okay. Because our program is a lot of working with you one-on-one. -on -one, and if you're not receptive, then you won't be able to take the program forward. Very interesting. And uh, you know, do you, can you give me one or two examples or any you know, anecdotes of companies that came in and became a unicorn, you know, unicorn, as you mentioned? Uh, sure. So there is, um, in fact, Parnatha, she's also been featured on the brand called you, uh, started with a simple mission of understanding what is it, um, you know, going back to a cancer charitable hospital where she donated money to understand what is it, what is needed and, you know, how's the money used and came away with saying people are willing to treat cancer but not to give nutrition which is so needed for the chemotherapy and the medical yeah. uh, inputs that a poor child takes mm. she started small today she's in every city of india she's looking at expanding and providing the much needed nutrition in the field yeah. there is um, uh, there's masoom which mm. started with night schools in bombay Nikita, really, really amazing, humble person, mm. saw that there are night schools for kids who work or have conditions where they can't attend school in the day. Mm -hmm. So the night schools and the government runs them. Mm. But the quality of education, the teacher attendance was very poor. Mm. She started with one school. Today, she is across all of Bombay, a lot of Bombay, and is now expanding across Maharashtra. So, you know, they're just small examples which have gone bigger. And of course, I can go endlessly. And then again, I think, you know, cons for us is also like, let's say Sharad. He mm -hmm. works with Badla Foundation. Mm -hmm. He works with rehabilitating beggars. Every story that he read of beggars was from our perspective, that they smoke up, that they, you know, bad habits, they steal. But nobody had really seen it from why does one become a beggar? He actually went and lived with them for a few days mm -hmm. to see what their life is. And it was such a hard life. He, he was just astounded at how hard and what circumstances got people there. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're really mistrustful. They don't trust people very easily. But today, he stays with them. He's rehabilitating beggars in one city of India, but has created such a transformational model. To me, Sharad is a unicorn in that area. Now he's going to expand. His model is replicable. It's a matter of time. In three years, he's been able to achieve something which is deeply sustainable. Wow. Wow. So coming back to uh, your journey, you know, you said from 2007, you had some amazing experiences. Tell me what have been some of your challenges. Mm. So one is I came from the corporate sector yeah. and uh, there's a pace, you know, you're driven by a set of metrics, which I think they're just finite compositions to drive them. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're very driven, performance oriented, you will get there. Mm. I think coming into the development sector, which uh, it's a journey I made in 2010. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the biggest learnings was 
you got to unlearn a lot. There is a lot more complexity when you're working hands-on with people, working with them for them. A lot of times we come with them, we come saying, this is better for you. Mm-hmm. And you got to learn that what we think is better is not better for them. So I'll just explain it with an example. Uh, we had, um, I was part of FWWE, Friends of Women's World Banking, and used to give loans to organizations, NGOs, which were working with livelihoods or rehabilitating vulnerable people. Yeah. And in a particular way, they had, um, in a particular incident, they had an order from somewhere in Germany to make carpets and rugs. And we were doing this in, Raj- uh, in Gujarat. And the order got canceled. And why? Because there was a delay. So the CEO of that organization, Mira, told me, hey, don't talk to me. Come to the village. I will take you to the village for you to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. And I went to the village and I was talking to the master ha- handyman, the craftsman. And uh, he said, you know what? There was a death in the village. The village shut down. So I said, okay, post the death. And that's fair. That's, uh, you know, we don't know it in urban India, but villages work like that. So he said, okay, what could you have done better after that? He says, well, I could have worked longer, but I shut shop every day at five. Mm-hmm. I was like, is it the light conditions are weak? You could put light. He says, no, my neighbor comes to drink tea with me at five. And he's been doing that all his life. Mm-hmm. And I cannot give up that routine for work. And I was like astounded. I have missed birthdays, weddings of friends, nieces. And, uh, you know, it's never been important enough. And he said, I'm sorry, I earned this much. It's enough for me. For me, this life in my village and my time with my friend is more important. So I think you just have to learn a lot more. I think this is just as insightful for me as all my other lessons in the sector. That uh, working with people takes a lot of empathy, understanding, compassion, and just being able to see their side as well. Fascinating. What an amazing story. You said that you like to get involved with every uh, you know, ent- uh, you know, entity that you decide to incubate. What is the process you follow? So personally, I'd love to uh, be engaged with everybody, which I do at different stages. But uh, the way we work is once we've selected an organization, uh, we have a very intensive hand-holding support of one year that we provide. Mm-hmm. We assign people within the organization for every eight or ten organizations that we support, and it's customized. So I think that's also what is our USP, is that it's not one size fits all. We have organizations at different life cycles, and we have entrepreneurs at different life stages of their journey, right? So it has to be a little more contextualized and customized, and of course, according to the sector as well. So... I am meeting them at two or three times in the year as a individually one-on-one and over workshops. Mm-hmm. So at least I know their journey and a lot more in the last two years. And uh, But otherwise, so our engagement is that we provide you, we un- help you understand where do you want to go? Why are you doing what you're doing? First of all, the clarity. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, their why and their how become very different. Can we get you back to your why and have a how linked to your why? And then help you set milestones and understand what do you need in this year as support to get to them. So it is uh, in that sense, we are engaged on a one-on-one. And like I said, I am meeting them in the final panels, then I'm meeting them in reviews and one-on-one for whichever conversations that they need my support on. Fascinating. And do you also give a lot of financial support? No, we give very small financial support. Uh, That's something which uh, probably is a big bottleneck and should be my focus. But given the environment, I'm not sure. I just need one large patron donor who will say, hey, this is money for onward granting and uh, to give people what they really need. But just now the support is small. It's the incubation support, which is the larger component of our plan. And I'm sure you know, you're, you're supporting uh, organizations all over the country. 
yes, all over India only. In fact, last year we expanded to Northeast as well, which was really nice. Very interesting. So I'm going to move to a few questions, which are generic questions for startups, whether for profit or not, for, or whether not, you know, not for profit. Uh, a question that I ask a lot of uh, people who invest in startups, and you're doing the same uh, in terms of time investment, in terms of money investment. Do you prefer uh, a social entrepreneur who's coming in solo or someone who has a partner? Okay, so just a correction. We do not invest. So we are an incubator with the difference. We've never taken equity till now. Mm -hmm. We don't expect any return. It's we are a not-for-profit and we are structured to only provide. We might change that, but today mm -hmm. that's how we exist. But definitely, I think we've been agnostic to a person coming in solo or with a co-founder, but having now worked with a lot of social organizations, mm -hmm. enterprises or NGOs, I think a co-founder is a very important uh, part of the deal. In fact, I know a lot of VCs or accelerators which only will take you in if you have a co-founder. And I see the reason. I see a lot of these success stories. Of course, people like Parnata and many others have gone alone and done really well. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you have co-founders, I think it splits your worries, it splits your work. And if you're deeply complementary, it helps you accelerate the pace of scale because you're divided in your work and you're equally accountable and your mission and vision aligned. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, you know, coming with co-founders also is... It has its own tight ropes to work on, Absolutely. which is another story. Absolutely. Right. My next question is that based on all your experience, what are some of the reasons that uh, uh, entrepreneurs fail? I think um, definitely one of the reasons I would say is they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Are they committed to the why? It's a product or service. Do they know their product really well? So one is just why were you doing what you're doing? Because if you're invested in the why and you can understand the why, you will stay focused on the why and be able to do what an entrepreneur needs to do. It's a difficult journey, right? Whether it's making money, it's solving a problem, whatever it is, you need to stay focused on the why and be honest to yourself because then everything else flows from that. The second, I think, is not knowing your customers. Whether it's an NGO or it's a for-profit, if you don't understand whom you're providing that product or service for, you, your product or service is your vision. Otherwise, you know, it's something which I love, but is it meeting the need? And hence, will there be a demand and will there be a repeat demand? So I think knowing your customers really, really well. And I personally really feel in India, we're great innovators, great inventors of products and ideas, but can we take it to market? Do we have the ability to sell ourselves? Mm sell the product right um i think um, that is definitely i would say thought that um, you're very good at the product side you keep improving in fact i've seen friends who worked years on a product and i think it's fantastic but they keep saying thought of you know can i improve it better can i improve it and you know, you get to a stage where it's already past date and another challenge that i have seen with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs social entrepreneurs is that everyone wants to become or a lot of people want to become pan-India, you know, I don't know what the reason is. Um, my question to you is at what stage should a startup start to scale up? I think when you have the demand, mm -hmm. right? When your demand is outstripping your current capabilities, mm -hmm. it just goes back to that. Do you know your customer? Do you have a product that somebody will buy or take? Mm -hmm. I think the time tipping point for scale is when your demand is definitely more than what you can supply with your current production. Mm -hmm. 
See, because also what is happening is a lot of people are relying on technology to acquire customers mm. at subsidized rates or at free costs. Is that scale? I don't know. Is it sustainable scale? For sure not. Mm. Right. So can you scale at a time when people are willing to pay the price it will take to keep it as a sustainable venture? So, you know, Anshu, one more question for on, on, on social entrepreneurship or social entrepreneurs before I move to the next segment. You know, when it's a for-profit startup, there's an exit possible. How do uh, social entrepreneurs, uh, you know, exit? It's a lovely question. Um, I think that's the toughest part, especially when you're an NGO, right? If you are, okay, in our case, we, we had co-founders, they wanted to scale, they wanted a CEO scale, and they had the ability to say, we are ideas people, can we look for somebody who can run an organization? Mm -hmm. Most NGOs, at least, startup, even social enterprises, the ones that I see today, they're very, um, very committed to solving that problem, right? How do you find somebody who's mission aligned and vision aligned and will not make it either commercial or take it in another way, which is not serving the constituents that you want to serve? That's why I think exiting one is, you know, like an entrepreneur, you're right. They are more looking for exits. And if they find the right buyer, it is it's still their dream. I'm not taking away their dream and their passion, right? But in social, I think you get involved with the constituents, the people. There's a um, bond that gets made. Then handover is a lot more tougher. There are very few examples of exits or successful handovers. Uh, we are trying to document some of them, but they're far and few between. That, that's something which I'm often asked by other people. And like you say, there aren't enough instances of exits yeah. from social entrepreneurship. Very interesting. So uh, Anshu, I'm going to now move to the last segment, which are a few questions for you personally. My first question is for an individual who spent such an amazing amount of time in the corporate world and now is doing a, a very, very different yet exciting corporate journey again in social entrepreneurship. What would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? You know, I'm not sure if I can call them as milestones, as achievements. Okay. I can talk to you about as pivotal points. Oh. Right. I think the first pivotal point for me really was um, I, I come from a very typical Indian family where girls always get married. I was never born and brought up to be a professional at all. Mm -hmm. The only inspiration and aspiration I had was that I might work in the social sector as a volunteer. Mm. Um, I think while it's not time bound, but I didn't get married. I think for me, that was a turning point because it allowed me to be who I am today. It allowed me to live my dreams, to find my dreams, identify who I am, identify my dreams and be footloose, fancy free enough to follow them at, you know, whatever it takes. Hmm. So I think, um, like I said, I don't think it's a milestone achievement, but to me, it is an important reality. Absolutely. Um, I think another turning point for me was that decision to move from the corporate sector to the social sector. Hmm. It happened uh, when American Express gave me a questionnaire that says, who are you? Why do you do what you do? And what do you want to be as part of my career progression hmm. plan? And it really made me sit back and say, this is not what I ever wanted to be. Mm. Poverty and vulnerability bothers me. Can I move towards it? So I think that was a, another turning point. But as a highlight and an achievement coming from the corporate sector with no knowledge of social sector, mm. I think one of the milestones uh, that was a challenge which was thrown to me and I was able to rise is that we were able to create a credit product for something called pharma producer organizations, which is one of its kind. And hopefully it will gather enough momentum for it to become an important product in their life journeys. 
I mean, to me, not knowing agriculture, not knowing financial products, to be able to come up with that, I think, to me, was a significant milestone. Fascinating. My next question is that uh, in the social sector, you must be meeting all kinds of in very interesting people. What are some of the core values you believe in? I think respect. Okay. Everything for me stems from respect. Respect of people, respect of human beings, respect of opinions. Mm. Right. I, I just think respect is definitely one. Commitment and accountability. I, mean, I, I don't. I can't differentiate them right now. But I think when I meet different people, just the commitment they get to the cause, the want to do something well. Mm. I think that is universal in the people we meet, and it's an important one for me. You know, commitment and accountability. I, yeah that's a very important core value for me and uh, honesty transparency mm -hmm. especially i think in the ngo sector transparency is really really important okay. and it reaches out it shows up wonderful uh, another question that i have is that from where you stand today what does success mean to anshu i think success uh, means small and big things right a person made happy truly i i, I know it sounds very cliched but even one person made happy to me is success mm. um being able to acknowledge the success earlier I, i wanted the larger goals right but today i've learned to say every small step is a success mm. um when you raise money for the work you do is success mm. uh, when you support an entrepreneur in a pivotal way mm. is success but if i look at the bigger picture what would success look like for me is at least in this lifetime if i can work with 100 social organizations mm. and be part of a pivotal change in their lives either mm. in the personal life or in their organizational life mm. which is pivotal mm. important mm. i think success would look like that and for unlimited i would love to be able to say one in every four or five organizations grew to scale because we were instrumental or we played an important part wonderful So, I've time for two more questions for you. Uh, my next question is a follow-up from success, which is who or what inspires you? I think people with high IQ and EQ. Okay. If EQ is not combined with IQ, it doesn't work. Mm. So, one of the people who inspired me was Al Kelly. He was then the president and group head of uh, consumer bank, uh, consumer products in American Express. Mm. When I met him, when I first met him, I didn't know who he was. It was an evening where he'd flown in from the U.S. and we were hosting a dinner for him. It was I was just new in American Express, and he spoke to me like a neighbor next door. Mm. It's only when we were introduced I realized he's the Al Kelly whom mm. we were hosting. And uh, in subsequent uh, meetings, of course, he was very sharp, very, very, very sharp. And uh, in the next meeting, when he correlated facts, I just realized his power of intelligence. and we were hosting in another trip we were hosting a, a lunch for him and i was the host mm. and uh, we had to move we had a very tight schedule mm. i remember saying okay time guys time to go he actually said everybody sit down mm. and why and i was sitting on another table he said she's not eaten her lunch mm. we will not move till she's not eaten wow. i mean i just thought wow he's one person so you know people like that who inspire mm. me who just are able to balance intelligence with humanness I think they are inspirational. There are unicorns in India, like JRD Tata. I just think, my God, what did he create? I would love to be able to have met him then to know what led him to do what he did. Mother Teresa, why was she so selfless? You know, so they're just different assets and facets of people which inspire me. But IQ with EQ is it. Fantastic. 
So I think we've now run out of time. So I just want to say thank you, Anshu, for an incredible conversation. Thank you for taking me on this down this amazing journey of social entrepreneurship. Thank you for sharing those two amazing stories of gentlemen or the person who looks spending time with beggars and the person who's doing work with night schools. I mean, such inspirational stories are, you know, rare to see uh, from the corporate world perspective. But thank you again and good luck. Totally my pleasure. Lovely being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.